0: Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to read a psalm, and then we'll pray. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, because his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, that his mercy endures forever that those who fear the lord now say his mercy endures for ever and the psalm continues similar to psalm 120 talking about distress the next verse but in a slightly different context, I called on the Lord in distress. How many of us have gone through distress? We all know about stress, it's a everyday phenomenon, and stress, it's not necessarily bad, according to the pure definition of the word. Stress has to do with some kind of pressure. But that pressure is what will produce worthy vessels, trials, and difficulties. Emotional tension or strain. Our body goes through stress when we exercise. There's a level of stress that's imposed upon the physical structure of a human being when he or she engages in exercise. It may not be considered strenuous, where it's a tremendous strain, but nonetheless there's a strain, there's a tension. That narrow path that we have to walk through involves stress. But then there's the stress caused by Satan, the stress that is self-caused or self-inflicted and the bible addresses all three types of stress that which is god ordained which will not not only not kill us is designed to make us stronger see that saying in the world that says what doesn't kill you will make you stronger is not exactly true. But the true part relative to that statement actually originated with God, His Word. The stress that comes because of our God-ordained path or walk is designed to make us stronger and refine us to create diamonds and refine us like gold, as it's written. Even in the scriptures, another saying that we are in the world, or experience in the natural world. It actually originated with the Word of God, an experience of God's people walking with the living God. But the other two types of stress, the stress that comes because of neglect, to give ourselves the relaxation we need, the diversion we need in a healthy way can cause distress and the affliction that comes directly from Satan. That can cause tremendous disorder and chaos and bring further mental, physical and especially Emotional, relational, spiritual stress. So that stress essentially means some kind of difficulty or pressure. It means some strain on a person's being. But the distress is properly understood as psychological suffering there's an overtaking of the of that balance in the human being a person who's intact emotionally spiritually mentally relationally and physically can go through stress and not be affected in the deepest part of that person. Now the distress that comes from Satan, Paul went through that, the disciples experienced that, the Lord himself experienced that, and we experienced that. We identify that as the suffering that is unduly experienced or brought upon us by the devil. And we overcome that as the writer of the psalm says here, Different situations in life, some brought upon ourselves by ourselves, by our neglect, or by our wrong desires. But there are situations that we have not brought upon ourselves. at least not in the present. So a person who's walking with the Lord, such as the writer of the psalm, can still experience stress and it can turn into distress or begin to come upon the person to drag them down. How often have you felt frustrated? How often have we felt distress in an emergency situation, in psychological suffering? including other kinds of suffering. But spiritually, the Bible says that the inner man or the new man has the capability to overcome. Overcome. And not experience the distress that the people who don't know God experience. Didn't God say, the peace that I give you, the world cannot give you. I don't give it as the world knows peace, which is not real peace, ultimately. And the peace that surpasses, it, it flies way above human understanding. It's beyond the human grasp. It's so deep and so high. It comes from heaven. And when we have any kind of temptation to have the stress turned into distress or anxiety, We look to the Lord and we bring our petitions before him, as written in Philippians. And the peace comes in, the distress part of it lifts off and becomes alleviated. How powerful. The other day I just stopped and my eyes focused on this word distress. It wasn't that I was looking to study that before I set out to read, but... I know Psalm hundred and twenty has that were distressed also. And there's a situation for that godly man in Psalm hundred and twenty with people he said, When I want to be peaceful, they don't want peace. When I'm trying to do the right thing, Lord, they don't like it. They want war. Lord, I'm I'm living among people that want to fight and cause trouble. And their tongues are very, very hurtful. Believers find themselves in situations like that, sometimes on the job, sometimes in the marketplace, among neighbors and even among family. It talks about deceit, being lied to, lied about. started causing him suffering. But it didn't get so deep that he couldn't call upon God and know how to recover or retain the deep peace. Powerful. What God can do in us when we think we can't handle things, he gives us supernatural help. He says, Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar, his group of people. My soul has long dwelt with him that hated peace. My, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Psalm 118, verse 5. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord allows the devil also room to create some scenarios. But he has told us be happy. Be of good cheer. Have a hopeful, optimistic outlook because I've overcome all of that already. You're following me? I'm in victory already. I will lift this off. Hallelujah. What a hope. What a hope. People give up when they think there's no hope. When it looks like a dead end and everything says and all the demons say is over. The Lord says, I can lift that cloud of darkness and despair. Praise God. I called upon the Lord in distress. We can run to him quickly. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. He took me away from that apparent dead end where seems to be unending suffering. There's a truth here. There's an experience here. There's not someone... Philosophizing is someone who's experiencing God's deliverance and has experienced it. And the Holy Spirit has told us, through the words we read from the Holy Scriptures, such as these, that He will lift every distress off of our lives. If we know how to put confidence in Him, more than in man, more than in princes. Read that. Just a couple of verses down. Verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What do you do when you actually experience fear? The Bible says, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. David praises the Lord. David petitions the Lord. There's a strong connection with the Lord that everything's relative. His experience, his outlook to his fellowship with God. He says, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. The writer of the psalm. He's feeling the distress. In the midst of the distress, he doesn't stop calling upon the Lord. There's a faith. God will come through. It may seem to be long sometimes. We're waiting long for a miracle. Things are upside down. There's chaos, disturbance. And as I said, it could have been due to our own sins. The truth be told, many times it's due to people's sins that distress is experienced, many times. And at that time, it would be incorrect. It would be not very helpful for either the person, the people, or the preacher to tell the person just hope in God and trust in God without facing the very thing that brought the evil or the distress. We need to go to God and say, Lord, I see my hand in this. And not treat it lightly, but to really be sorry, mourn for that and say, Lord, I don't want to just put the blame on something else or someone else or say that I'm just carrying my cross. You see, it's a great lie. Many, many things that happen to us may actually stem and find their origin in our neglect of God's commandments in our lives. What we have done when he's told us to do something, when he called, we were stubborn, rebellious. And those things have caused us. But the God of our lives is so merciful. He's so good. That's why it says here, his mercy endures forever. Isn't he so good? No matter how dirty we become, no matter how much we have that deep regret and even torment, because I know what I did to myself, to God's name, to my family. And there's still a place for me, for you, for everyone, even with the greatest shame, to go to the one who can wipe away the shame. Jesus is beautiful beyond compare. Only the believer who really understands that when we sing songs to that effect or read the word it grips us with an everlasting grip. We say, Lord, keep holding me. This is where I want to be. I want to be in your embrace. And I understand your heart is bigger than I knew before. Hallelujah. God is able to relieve us from distress, even that which is brought upon us by ourselves. But often the believer, especially the one who's really repented and walking with the Lord, we can see, okay, there are missiles being fired at me. This problem, I have to keep running. There are many people in Bible times and subsequently, and even today, who are running for cover, running for safety, running for deliverance from constant missile launches from hell because they're making progress and hell is saying, I can't, we can't afford to let this one go. Bring the tanks, bring hell's air force, bring the infantry, bring everything we've got. What else do we have? You just see Satan consulting in his war room. What do we have that we haven't used? Bring it all out because this one, this Christian, it's big trouble for us in our kingdom. And so all kinds of things will happen. Things that would seem to many, quote unquote, normal Christians as bizarre. And they'll come around like Job's friends and say, what did you do? Fess up, Job. We know you've, you've had to have done something. We've never seen anything like this. What's wrong with you? We have church and everything's fine. I mean, we have little bumps in the road. People get a cold here and there. and We missed a few amens and hallelujahs. But you, you, you're constantly, woe is me, woe is me. I wish uh, this would stop. And we're just watching earthquakes come to you. What are you doing to attract earthquakes, Job? There has to be something wrong with you. I mean, every day it's the same thing with you. Attacks and witchcraft. Crisis here, crisis there. And the truth is, Job, we haven't known you like that. What we know about you is you are very excellent. At least that's what we thought. But now we're starting to scratch our heads and think, I wonder why this man's going through what he's going through. A lot of gossip going on behind Job's back. But hell knows what's up. God says, this man, we hate. He's public enemy number one in hell's kingdom. As far as their billboards, their posters, their slogans. They say, we got to get rid of this guy. He's bad news. That kind of distress comes from the devil. The Lord, he comes to reassure us. that We are safe in the arms of Jesus. God will protect us. Quickly finish this psalm. Called upon the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Of course, many times we see King David in our experience also. People cause trouble. Bad people. People that are led by demons, they cause trouble for other people. Sad to say, even in the church. Mischief makers and troublemakers and liars and slanderers. Paul said that. It's in the church. And so he had to write to them and warn them, stop being like that because you're not going to end up well. Do not be in the church and gossip and talk. Things you shouldn't be talking. There needs to be conviction in a morning. How did I allow myself to be like this? And then the repentance. David didn't have a church at that time, but his own Jewish people also gave him trouble. Many times a heathen. All kinds of distress. It's similar. David was not an officer in the church per se, but he was a leader and a ruler in God's kingdom, even in Israel. And so it's similar to Paul. He said on every side we're being assaulted from within and without, from inside the church and outside the church. I have so many things I have to deal with, lots of stress. But Paul says, I'm not in distress with these things. There were times when he said we had this deep drawing toward death. It was so hard, very hard. And for Paul to say that, he had to have gone through probably the maximum a human being could have gone through, barring the experience of the Lord Jesus Christ, God-man. Because Paul was indomitable. He couldn't, he couldn't stop him. And yet he understood his frailty. So when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I don't have an answer, isn't that the best place to be sometimes? When we are completely at our wits' end, is, whether it's health, whether it's family, relationships, whatever it is, not only a sticking point in the forward movement we're hoping for, seems to be some light coming and all of a sudden everything falls apart. Sometimes that's the best place we can be in because that's the time when a lot of people really understand the greatness of God and the goodness of God. Otherwise, we start taking it for granted and we do our own thing and we think, you know what? I'm pleasing God. I don't need any sermon on repentance. I'm not doing anything wrong. And You see, it's not just about that. We are frail without the Lord. We're unable to help ourselves. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that relationship really becomes strong and stronger. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. He's not looking to his own strength, his arsenal, his intellect. God comes and he says, you need to set aside your hope and your confidence in your intellect and your physical ability. If you get confidence in the flesh in any way, you're not in a good state spiritually. This, the two are opposite. They're opposed to one another has to be a life of faith and complete dependence upon God, which means I don't do my own thing. I don't think my own thoughts. I let the Holy Spirit fill me. I don't believe the lie of the devil that you can't have fun if you're too spiritual. Satanic lie. These are the psychological attacks that can come to Christians. Oh, it was better over there. I remember the time. It was good. And he makes that thing seem so much greener. We see what happened a lot. He was in a great place walking with Uncle Abraham. Everything was green, but then the devil showed him some other green. And he got deluded and deceived, and he went right after it. He lost just about everything. The Lord is on my side. I have always set the Lord before me, King David says. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Whether I go shopping, whether I go hunting for whatever I need, whether I have relationships and talk, we need to understand pride and arrogance will destroy our souls, even when we have the finest clothing on, finest mannerisms, very adept at social etiquette and how to relate to people and how to be a people pleaser, uh, win many friends, have seven highly effective habits of being successful and Everything, or at least wanting that, be bankrupt spiritually inside. Die spiritually and wonder what's happening. God seems to be far away. I feel lean, but I'm going to cover up that leanness with things and people that I really should not be with and watching things. How many people are slaughtered Christians? Christians who are not looking for evil. There are those who do, in which case they're no longer real Christians. But there are Christians who are not looking for evil, yet they don't know how to stop watching worthless things. Things that they know are not beneficial for their souls. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's another wonderful secret of spiritual growth. God shows the frailty of this confidence in mankind, in people, when it should be on the Lord. Any favor that comes from people, unless the people are truly spirit-filled and they have a record of going after the Lord and loving Him truly, consistently loving God and loving people. Unless that's the case, people can be very fickle and flip. But the Lord is not like that. Aren't you glad? He's not like these other false gods. So many not only myths but demon spirits that impersonate deities and people never know whether they're on the good side or the bad side of that deity and how much sacrifice they have to make and how much they have to do and there's no love there's really no relationship certainly not as a father to a child only our God is the real God he reveals himself as such he has a perfect nature it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes princes Even people of power, when we seek favor, we need to know it's because God has spoken to that person in authority. He's turned that heart of that ruler like rivers of water. It's not through my, the favor is not through that person. Ultimately, it's coming from God through that person to me. He's my help. He's my shield. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations come past me about. But in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. We heard in the message yesterday that um, God gives us, as he gave Cyrus, who was, after all, a heathen, God anointed him. We heard that God saw something in him, God wanted to work with him, a tremendous pivotal role in the restoration of his people, the rebuilding of the temple. And he says to the one he's called, Cyrus, and that too, many, many years before he's born, God called him by name, publicly, through the prophet, Isaiah. And to him was told that this baby that's gonna come, whose name is Cyrus, he's gonna be instrumental. In my plan, I'm placing my favor, my hand upon his hand, and he says, "No nation is going to be able to stop him. No one's going to be able to stop him." I'm executing my plan. In this facet of that plan, this aspect, this piece in this puzzle, I'm going to use this man. I'm going to use this man, Persian ruler. I'm going to use him, and no people groups or nations no one's going to be able to stop them because i am with them. for us it was related that no demonic power will be able to stop us when we know the high calling of god upon our lives and we trust the lord for all the resources for the anointing and for him to stand with us to accomplish the mission What a confidence. That's why Paul said, everybody forsook me at a certain point. He had a Jesus kind of experience at Gethsemane. He said, no man was with me. Everybody left. They arrested me or they came for me and everybody left me. I have no one. But Paul says, the Lord stood with me. That's enough, more than enough. All nations come past me about Psalm 118, verse 10. But in the name of the Lord, will I destroy them? We have power over every principality and power over the serpents and the scorpions they compassed me about yes they compassed me about but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them we have we have the awareness and the ability God has given us if we follow him and we believe him to bind the devil in Jesus name to paralyze the activity of Satan in Jesus' mighty name. But we need to know the Lord like this writer knows. And too many people, they're given these tips and techniques. They don't have the power or the stamina because they really don't spend time with the Lord. There's a lot of Christian activity, but no one-on-one with the Lord. They surrounded me yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. Anyone who's seen in person or in a film when these bees come in hordes and completely cover a human being, and possibly even daylight. Depending upon their number and ability to block the rays of the sun. They're so numerous and so together. The demons can band together to make stronger forces. They surrounded me like bees. They give problem distress. They were quenched like fire, like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. But I destroyed them with the authority of the Lord. The New Living Translation said, they blazed against me like a crackling fire. The Amplified Version said, they swarmed about me like beasts, demons. These people that are inspired by the devil to give me trouble, even though I'm a man of peace. They blaze up and are extinguished like a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will cut them off. See the variation in the interpretation. When we look at the King James or the New King James Version, it appears that no matter if they come against me, like a blazing fire, they'll be doused and put out for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. One thing that is very needed and helpful is as a believer reads these words in any of the Word of God in the New Testament where it talks about oppression and being pushed down and afflicted. One question that may have to arise and be answered honestly is, have I been that person? To try to push others with my words, with my gossip, with my slander. I wish I could push them down. They have bad fortune, misfortune. Especially heinous is that crime when it's a believer to a believer. Even in such a case, when it's so hateful to the Lord, abominable, and he's extremely grieved, the one child of God would gossip or hold a grudge and speak against another child of God secretly and even sometimes to the face. These things are ugly. They're grieving. Can believers do that? Absolutely. If they want to be carnal, which means they're being seduced and influenced by demons at that point. A believer has to be demonized to be angry against a brother or sister and hold grudges because that's not the nature of God. The word demon-possessed the original meaning is really not a possession or a complete inhabitation, but it talks about being demonized,' being influenced in various degrees. And for a believer, and we're talking about believers in context. There are people who are completely occupied by the devil. But for the believer, they can become so strongly influenced that there seems to be no difference between them and the heathen. and They even appear worse. Why? Because the same hatred is not crucified. They're able to manage with Bible studies and reading the Word and even serving God and still never having crucified hatred. never understanding the depth or the gravity of the sin of holding grudges. It goes on continually. And if anybody should bring that up, it becomes very offensive to them. And they brush it off as if they're fine and they're praising God. You push me violently that I might fall. He's talking about the enemy. But I say the first thing we need to do when we read the word because... The heart can be deceitful if we revert back to the old way. We can think of ourselves as being better than we really are. And if we read the word honestly, we need to identify where the Bible is talking about our enemies, have I acted like an enemy myself to God and to fellow believers? There are believers who, because of external pressure, or the repercussions, I should say, they won't physically get violent. But if they could, they would love to get physically violent. And that too with the brother or sister. Have you ever seen that or even experienced that? Or felt that? What is that? That's that evil demonic nature coming back. But we can go to church. Year after year, serve on committees and do things and have Bible studies, lead Bible studies. As we hear, some of the people in life training school who have been involved in ministry for a while but never crucified the flesh, didn't even know what God was really talking about. They thought it was autopilot. You know, once you sign up to be a Christian, everything's taken care of, and you don't want to talk about those things. Let's make sure we're not violent in our souls deep inside where God can see, where we have grudges, we breathe threatenings and against brothers or sisters, especially we need to go to God and say, "Lord, I'm really a dragon. When I look at the Word of God, I see certain qualities. If the truth be told, I mean, if we don't speak the truth, that's another story I can pass myself off with flying colors every time. You know, I love God. God loves me. I love people. I don't hate anybody. I'm not mad at you. The truth is, there's a lot of anger and violence and grudges and unforgiveness about the past, things that people have done in the present. And also there's a positive or a actual threatening stands within believers sometimes against another believer and it manifests in different ways. It's not enough to deal with the symptoms. Some people, when they're really angry, they're really frustrated and they really hate the person, even believers, you know what they do? They say, here, let me grab your hand. Let's pray. Think about that. When they're really upset, they're not dealing with that fleshly nature. They're trying to... I should say they're not dealing with it at the root they're dealing with it with it at the superficial level God does not want to hear any believers prayers prayer is not practice time where i can try to you know overcome this when i really want to hold on to it that's the truth many believers want to be what they want to be but they want to pray to make it seem like that's not reality first we need to leave that gift at the altar don't bother to pray but go and do what you're supposed to do mourn before the Lord and get things right let the person really think about how you're just like an unsaved person when you're angry rage can come when you're bitter so before we Look at the nice picture of, you know, no one can stop me and no weapon formed against me shall prosper and quote a litany of scriptural passages and verses that have to do with the promises of God to empower me and I can't afford to fear one second. There's no doubt and I'm on my way up. But I have to first of all see if I'm also the culprit that's undoing my own spiritual life because I'm allowing things that God says cannot coexist in the heart of faith and love and holiness. Once we've passed that, once we've really come to the Lord and said, Lord, there's a lot of ugliness in the heart still in mind. I don't want it, Lord. Desperate cry. I don't care what people think about me. They can say you're pretending. Or look, you're really weak now. We can see you. We're all happy and strong. You're crying all the time. You're mourning but your own failures. I don't care. I'd rather be right with God and wrong with people, right with people and wrong with God. But the Lord helped me. We opened this time with the three kinds of stress, self-inflicted, God-ordained in the path of the cross and from Satan. And we talked about distress, how it becomes a psychological and uh, suffering of the total person. And how, for the believer, that's not God's will. There's a way out, even when it is self-inflicted. God is mercy for God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. You push me violently that I might fall, but the Lord help me. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. Imagine standing on Judgment Day. People in this church, if God should say you never really forgive that brother in the church, that sister. In fact, you had some bad thoughts about them. You slandered them. You never got that right. How come? How horrible that'll be! Going through everything, it's like finding a file, a piece of paper, of a court order against you. That is still impending. You're still in danger, but you didn't know. You've discovered it. Everything is going fine. But then you discover this thing against you that never got dealt with and there's danger. You didn't know. You got to take care of it before you stand trial. That's why in the book of James it says, be careful, don't grudge one against another. Behold, the Lord is at the door. He's talking to believers. He said, the Lord is coming. We heard a few days ago how we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is what God wants. When we fast and pray, when we serve the Lord, We read the Bible, have Bible study, family prayer, family altar. He said, put all that to the side. How's your heart before me? Are you really humble? There's some people who certain words they don't want to say. It's like uh, saying sorry. It's very hard for them. The flesh is very much intact. When everybody is kind and everybody is proper in their salutation and the way they speak, there'd be a couple of people who are headstrong, self isn't crucified. You can see it. Everybody can see it except that person. And that's the sad part. But then, they start learning like we mentioned about the child at the table. The little one and the older children are there. They've been brought upright. And the little one gets out of line and disrespects the father and mother. The other children at the table say, you don't do that to mom and dad. That's not how you speak. And so the little one, if it's teachable, begins to learn, conform. Rebellious, It's going to be broken and punished. That's how it is. There are many things in our hearts that God wants to get right sometimes before he can really bless us. So it's not just the keys and techniques and tips. Too much of that in the Christian world. That's why books sell and seminars and all kinds of things. And people are still very mature, carnal, because they haven't touched the, the nerve center that I'm still who I am. Nobody can stop me. We need to be broken. Then we can say the Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is so pure. When a family rejoices in the Lord, it's a pure rejoicing. It's coming from a pure heart. Salvation is in the tents of the righteous. When a church is purified, people's tones and mannerisms. It's not just a cover-up, but they really have changed. There's no accusation. Sometimes the accusation can come very bluntly. Other times, a little more subtly. God knows everything. If, if as a human being, I can say these things, that certainly will cut to the heart of anyone who's sincere, who's hearing it. And I don't say it by myself. It's from the Lord. How much more when we read the word properly, that sharper than a double-edged sword, we just cut away the deeper issues that we've been holding when we're going to other churches and having fellowship and doing our own thing. Flesh fully intact. Rejoicing in my savior. Impossible. It's a sham. It's false. But when it's real, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. That's my purpose and mission in life, all of us, if we're real believers. The reason I'm existing is not for vacation, not to save up so I can have a good retirement, not so I can reach that zenith of human experience by, you know, whatever I want to do. Everybody's working towards something. The Lord says, if it's not for building the kingdom of God, really putting our money where our mouth is, as they say, everything we have at the Lord's feet, sincerely, not like Amnesty and sapphire, for image and hold back some stuff and fix some things here and there illegitimately. To come wholehearted sacrifice, pure, like Abel's sacrifice, my whole life. God take my body. You tell me what to wear, Lord. We heard about that yesterday as the Spirit of God led by Eskirva. So, precisely, it was very precise. And she talked as a woman of God, especially women, includes men too, but mainly women for obvious reasons. Now, that which is reserved for a spouse should not be flaunted anywhere outside of that place. Even in the slightest degree. And that seems to be the problem for those group of Christians that are actually better and they may think, think more holy and advanced and yet they, they still have that little bit of flesh like a little bowl constrictor and eventually it'll grow. But to really look at ourselves in the mirrors, as Kirby said, especially women, and see whether this will be something seductive and what is my purpose in dressing like this? Some people say, I don't care about anybody. I just, this the way I am. I'm not looking for anybody to look at me. But do you know the Lord is looking at you? You're supposed to be dressing for Him. For His glory to shine through us. It seems like ideal and perfect, what we're saying. And it is for people who get made perfect. And God will work with us. But the point is we have to start somewhere and see the truth of, from the Spirit of God. I should not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely. He doesn't do it randomly. There's a need for that. But He has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Only the righteous can enter the gate of the Lord. Only the righteous. So at this point, the writer is confident. God has dealt with me in certain areas. He hasn't wiped me out. That means it was that serious I came close. The Lord saved me. I'm precious in His sight. A special treasure. Oh, I can get back to the purpose of God. I, I can become that golden vessel. It's not too late. Is it possible for a kid who's failing with F's all the time to become an A student? The devil will say, no. No, that's who you are. That's why you're always a failure. Many people side with the devil and say, no, you can't. It's impossible. You? You become the president? You become this? You become an A student? No. How many times as believers, we have that same kind of wrong and sinful attitude and speech. If not verbalized or vocalized externally inside, we think that about people. God comes to help us to repent of that and also especially thinking that about ourselves. Because now we're in Christ. We have every power and authority in the whole universe on our side. We can become well-pleasing to God. Each one, no matter how low we've sunk. If we have been honestly partnering with the devil, slandering someone, God has heard it and he's very displeased and angry. Just like with Job's friends. Yet he had mercy upon Job's friends. No wonder the Bible says his anger, anger is but for a moment. He's so good. Our father's so good, but don't play with fire. We cannot forget that our father is still a consuming fire. If we don't take his mercy for granted and we're sincere and obedient, We'll be able to be in that fire. We'll be able to be in that everlasting good fire of holiness and live with them in the same fire. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. In what situation? Distress. I mentioned the type of distress. Lord, I'm back on track. Oh my father, let me walk carefully now. Let me walk extremely humbly now. Let me walk really sincerely, Lord. I want to get back to my first love. I don't want food. I don't need all the fancy clothing. I don't want to live from my belly. As Paul wrote warning, Titus about a group of people called the Christians he said they're slow bellies, lazy gluttons and they love to lie through their teeth he say, my goodness Paul, that's not how you'd write about people who you want to disciple and people you want to train to be godly it was a truth and it's only when we know the whole truth about ourselves that we can really seek repentance and change I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. God's program continues and he'll bring the Messiah. About 900 or 1,000 years before the fact this was written. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There's a day of the Messiah. And there's a day every day. For the believer, every day is the day of Mashiach. HaMashiach, the Messiah, the Lord. He's the center of our lives. He wakes us up in the morning. He gives us purpose to live. And we are enjoying his presence no matter what the external situations are. The distress that the devil tries to bring cannot permeate. Cannot permeate the shelter that I have under the shadow of his wings. Today is a day of victory in the Lord as I abide in him. It is coming a greater day of coronation, of crowning for every believer. In order to attain that, Jesus talks about that in the gospel. Those who are counted worthy to attain unto the next world, that life, the resurrection. So we have to be worthy to enter into heaven. How do we do that? Really humble. You can see it in the words, the tone, the actions, the attitude. Really humble before God, first, and then before people. Isn't that beautiful? There's no dichotomy, there's no there's no duality there. It's uniform, humble before God and before people. Truly sincere and not glossing over things and hurrying the scriptures and saying, Lord, I want a thorough examination from you, my father. I'm so sorry. I played my own doctor. God help me. You come, Lord. Help me to see me as you see me. Every place that needs to be changed, my God, I'm all yours. I need you, Lord. Help me, help me. And then do my part to show that those words were sincere. Not just sweat it out in prayer and then go back and say, well, God's going to do what he wants to do. No, I have to do my part. I have to make sure I don't get angry again. Make sure my mouth is shut. Even when other so-called believers come and talk about people and try to get me involved to slander. Because there's no founding, founding truth. There's no truth behind it. There's no confirmation of anything. Even then we have to be careful. We never slander. And bitterness has to go, unforgiveness, despising people. The Bible talks about haughty eyes. It can happen right in the church as people look up and down a person, how they dress and how they look and all. I'm not like that. A lot of subtle things in the subconscious can go on too. When you say, Lord, I'm tired of this life, being phony, help me to be like you, Jesus, really loving. Teach me how to love like you and not judge. And despise people based upon how they appear. The mannerisms with the background help me never, ever feel superior to another brother or sister. God, have mercy. Me, a worm and less than a worm. You saved me from my trash. God, help me to know who I am because of your grace and to love like you. Save now, I pray, O oh Lord. Verse 25, O oh Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. is a divine prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Make the commitment to worship him with everything you are. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you, all eyes on Jesus. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. What a difference when we read the scriptures like this. Let the Holy Spirit deal everything he wants to. We'll never read the scriptures the same again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, for gatherings together, Lord. Tender mercies, Lord. I pray that each one of us, Lord, including myself, would apply increasingly, God, not go backward, but increasingly going forward. Letting the word go even deeper so we are perfected more and more and more into that perfect day. We love you, Lord, because you've cared for us extremely well. Far more than we could even care for ourselves. Even when we don't want to care for ourselves, you still care for us because you love us. You are good, Lord. Your mercy endures forever. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Bless us, Lord, the rest of this time. Bring out the scalpel, Lord. You're the master surgeon. Bring out everything, Lord, so that the work can be deeper. We can be more like the Lord Jesus at the end of this meeting in your presence, this assembly. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.